hello, sir. Uh, this is 999. What is your emergency? Hi. Hi. Officer. 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 This is an emergency. I'm panicking. I'm panicking. Uh, sir, please calm down. Please tell me the nature of your emergency. <sighs> okay, I'll try. I'll try. I, I was on this website, this very normal website. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Twitter.com. Uh, sir, we have heard of Twitter.com before here at the uh, American Division of the London Metropolitan Police Department. I, I was on Twitter.com, definitely not looking at photographs of um of of girls that I went to school with ten years ago. Affirmative, and- affirmative. You uh, sir, stand down, squad. <laughs> no, he was not. No, he was no. not looking. He was not thirst trapping. Repeat. Caller was not thirst trapping. And, Go on, sir. And I saw. I saw this man. This man. This brown Asian man with. Beautiful skin. I don't know how he's able to get that kind of skin. Maybe it's some sort of elaborate skincare routine. Um, and he that has is, been, sir. That has been noted. And he and he's tweeted. He's tweeted. I, for one, love to discriminate against white people at the cafe that I work in by charging them for soup when they order coffee. The owner of this cafe has known about it for years, but he won't discipline me because. He is afraid of being racist. Sir, what is your location? We are going to establish a tactical nuclear position, sir. Uh, He says on his Twitter profile that he is based in London, England. And I would be careful, officer, because I've read many things about how London has been taken over by Sharia police. Uh, sir, I would suggest you get to cover as we have deployed a uh, the Trident tactical nuclear device that the traitor Corbyn uh, has tried to remove. And do not worry, sir, we will eliminate not only this particular Sharia-compliant cafe, but every single business person and land animal within 37 miles of this place. And then England will finally go back to what it was before it was taken over by the cultural Marxists and the Islamists. Thank you, officer. This is a very rational response. Uh, uh, God save the queen, sir. God bless. God bless, officer. God bless. Thank you for keeping our streets safe from Sharia-compliant cafes. Hello and welcome back once again uh, to the first episode of the second year of Trash Future, the Trash Future about how the pod is cast. Trash Future 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lads, before, before we begin, I really enjoyed that skit. There's only, there's only two things I have to dock you points for. The first of which is not saying that the strike would be deployed via Elon Musk tactical submarine. <laughs> and the second for the strike not accidentally missing and destroying a Yemeni wedding instead. <laughs> you know, it, I, I also have to dock you points for not saying pod save the queen <laughs> <laughs> rebrand the romaniacs <laughs> yo romaniacs fucking ian dunt you hear us that's your new fucking name bitch <laughs> um oh no he dunt <laughs> yo no so hi it's trash future we had a week off because i was in berlin but i'm back now um and uh yeah guys uh, today has been a really regular day online, huh? It's been the most regular day that I've ever been on. Um, on this internet, just ever since I've been on the internet. So, it's yo, been, I, it's I'm been gonna, regular as hell. It's been positively grande by the Starbucks system. Just, just, just a normal one. I'm going inter- to introduce everyone, then we're going to explain what the fuck happened because it's been <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I'm Riley. You can find me on Twitter at Rala R A L E H. With me is Hussein. Uh, at H Kizvani. Uh, my username right now is famous soup Muslim. Uh, 
On the phone from Edinburgh, we got Milo. What's up, Milo? Yeah. Yo, it's me, your boy. I've driven like 10 hours today and I'm feeling fresh. At Milo underscore Edwards on Twitter. You know where your boy at. We know what to do. And then uh, joining us today is... Do not follow me. <laughs> joining us today is uh, Josh Androsky, who's an organizer with the DSA LA and generally a funny guy. What's up, Josh? Hi. I uh, have no opinions on soup or Muslim. <laughs> You are about to get some. You're about to get some. Um, so, uh, Hussein. I'm, I'm in the perfect place. You want to tell me a little bit about okay. what happened today? Okay, so the story really begins last night. Yo, I'm sorry everybody who we're doing Twitter review for, but we can't not do this. It's right. too fun. So so last night I went to go pick up my sister at the train station and I was a bit early. So I decided, as a normal person should, to just go on Twitter and see what everyone was getting up to. Because it was to a, catch up with your friends. Yeah, on Twitter. It, was, it was a normal day. And yeah, you know regular, what Jack Dorsey says, Twitter one. is a great way. It's a great way. It's a great way to just have a normal one. So <laughs> so so the serious thing was um there was a case of um Sarah Young, who is a writer and lawyer. She used to write for The Verge. Um she was selected to go on the New York Times editorial board. And when she was selected, a bunch of like right wing people, Jack Posobiec, Mike Cernovich, they basically like Please, went Jack Prilosek. <laughs> they went through like all her old tweets and she had made a bunch of jokes about white people. So they were like pretty milk toast jokes. There were stuff like, you know It's basically like white people be driving like this. Yeah, you know, white people can't jump, white people smell a bit of wet like wet dogs. You know, stuff that Which is true. That's how we did imperialism. Yeah. We stag you know, out the place. You know. Wait, um, Hussein, what you don't understand is the years of systematic oppression behind those words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I offended you and your culture. Um, so, years of being cucked by strong black men. And I find those words offensive. So, yeah. So everyone was sort of talking about, you know, what the limits of like race discourse was, right? Whatever the fuck you want to call that. Like, you know, at what point could like a person of color make a joke about a white person online, especially when the people who are supposedly getting triggered by these jokes are the ones who have basically built careers out of left wing people supposedly being too sensitive to jokes. Yeah. So, so what me, did you do? So me being a bored genius idiot, mm-hmm. I tweeted, I mean, I said it at the beginning of the show, but I basically tweeted that I worked in this cafe and I've been working at this cafe for a number of years and I've been charging white people who order coffee. I've been charging them price of soup it's the same thing i did with the fake pee pub thing yeah um yeah and i said that if you want to know about has- the pee pub thing please <laughs> at alex keely or wait for no pee pub january alex keely is a-l-e-x-k-e-a-l-y he will tell you all about it so i said that the boss of this cafe had known about my tricks for a very long time but he wouldn't say anything to me because he was afraid that he would come off as racist so you know if you were like even remotely intelligent Right. You could probably understand that this was a pretty stupid thing, right? Yeah. It's pretty unfeasible, yeah. even by our standards. It basically feeds into the whole like coffee is a soup trope that I've been like pushing every episode since I basically joined yeah. the show. And it was really just for our listeners, right? I yeah. Was, yeah, it was a joke for the listeners. So, so then what happened was this guy, friend of the show, David Vance. Friend of the show, <laughs> G- like, like fascist Mr. Clean. No, Mr. <laughs> ethnic Clean. Mr. Ethnic <laughs> Clean, friend of the show, David Vance quote tweeted it saying a racist rights and that's when it all started right <laughs> so like all his followers i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it i'm gonna bring it up now because all of this is just stupidly dumb so all his followers were basically like tweeting me stuff like where is this cafe i feel that we need to write a letter to the owner now um 
you know, there was there was another. Well, like, I'll say this. I'll, Hussein, I'll say this. Yeah, we didn't do a skit about calling the police for no reason at I'll, the I'll, opening I'll, of I'll, the show. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. There was another one which were send the owner a beast and desist letter. <laughs> there were, there were, there, yes, there, the cafe there, is. Go on. The cafe is at Ten Downing Street. <laughs> uh, but there, there was a, there were there were other there were other ones like you know you live in a white country you must respect white people. Um, there was there no, most, they sunburn AF. So it's, so most most them were like, ha! Huh, if it was reversed, if I if I if I was overcharging black people for coffee by telling by by giving them soup prices, you would bleat racism and discrimination. But when it's over white people, it's fine. And then I don't know. It kind of descended into like some real like dumb shit. Um, there's a bunch of people in my mentions right now discussing whether coffee is a soup, why they hate soup, <laughs> why they will never drink coffee because well, because look, in England in England the great, tea is the, the only great hot drink. irony of this is if you advertise some new age coffee delivery product and you <laughs> pull up an ad saying coffee today at soup prices, people would totally buy that yeah. shit, especially white people. Well, so it's because conservatives yeah. get mad, libs get like. Um, ambitious. So that's where it ended. So, that, so that's where it ended last night. And I was like, okay, that was fun. But then this morning, but something then else this happened. morning, someone else quote tweeted it. Who was it? No more than our good friend, Paul Joseph Watson. I was going to say that prank really put you on the map. <laughs> or what we call a QT from an original QT. Paul hit me up with those red so, rosy lips. So then when Paul Joseph Watson quote tweeted it, my mentions just went into this massive flurry of people just getting mad about soup. Getting mad and calling the cops because <laughs> the coffee is a soup. And that's the thing. There was this one, yeah. And then that was the thing. Like it was all just like real mad stuff. It was all just like, I'm going to report you to the police. There were some people who like added like my boss, Alana Levinson. Like, you need to fire this man because he's overcharging. Did they not put together that she's the editor of a magazine? <laughs> And she somehow also is your boss in a you know, cafe. They, they, they emailed, they emailed like the guys who are publishing my book. It's just like this man, this man whose book you're publishing, he's overcharging white people for coffee. We've been in touch. We've been in touch with the editors of the Gazpacho Gazette. <laughs> you, sir, will not be a freelance writer anymore. And it, and it all sort of like came to a climax when this, when this, when this guy. I hear that he was like, selling people paperbacks, but charging white people for a hardback. <laughs> When, so 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 this guy this guy ends up sending my tweet to the Metropolitan Police Twitter account. So he 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 took this message and he literally sent it to the Metropolitan Police and screenshotted it. So so I have been I have now been reported. You're on the run. And the thing is the thing is when you have a tweet that's locked when you have a tweet that's sent to the police it gets automatically locked right regardless yep. of whether like they're going to investigate it or not. So a really dumb joke that originated on this stupid show is now recorded forever <laughs> at the Me- Metropolitan Police Headquarters. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. And I'm it's so I'm gonna steer, funny. I'm gonna steer hard into I'm gonna steer hard into serious here from this. Yeah. Which is I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys know Josh, you know who Adam Johnson is? Uh, he, um is he the Twitter guy? Yeah, he hosts Citations Needed. It's a wonderful podcast yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. should subscribe to. He's he, a writer like about like he's a media critic. Yeah. And so he said one thing a while ago that really stuck with me, which is that what defines conservatism in our moment is a combination of white grievance, inverted power dynamics, um, the imagination that only some good minorities exist, and that sort of white Christians are under siege by sort of secular multicultural thugs driven by hatred of God and whites. 
and that it sort of exists by manufacturing this false inverted Nick victim narrative where the privileged few are under siege and those with power are spat on and cast out. And that's really like why Hussein's tweet resonated was because everybody already believes that they're in a world in which everyone is conspiring to fuck them over. Well, that's the thing. They are, but it's their boss that's fucking them over, not some soup employee. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't understand why so many people are this mad about reasonably priced suit. (laughs) But I mean, it's it 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 shows like like to me, right? Like in America, it's always the guys that are complaining about chemtrails whose like groundwater is being poisoned by fracking. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're so close. They they understand that their lives are being destroyed by something, and it's like QAnon. It's like yes, you know, like uh, I don't know if you saw the CNN thing where that loser from CNN went and like interviewed QAnon people. Did you guys see that? He went to some rally and he was like talking to QAnon people, and they were like, "Well, the press has been weaponized by the CIA," and they were like, "Oh, really? You think so?" And it's like. Well, actually, if you think about it, yes, the press has been weaponized in order to protect wealthy and powerful people from like losing the status quo. But that's too boring. So they have to invent the idea that Hillary Clinton has a fucking ankle. Surely monitor. the press would never do that. Like, but it's we're so they, these people. I just wish that there was a way to get through to them to be like, you know, you are right. You are under attack, but it's not by a guy who's wearing a Sean John sweatsuit. You know, it's, it's by a guy wearing an actual suit. Yeah, it's not the fucking Choom gang. It's not, it's away. not by Paulie from The Sopranos. Right. <laughs> well, in, in fact, that kind of brings me quite tidily on well, man's to gotta get his seven a, major, hours. a major development in British politics that, well, not, a, in fact, you know what? I'm going to correct myself. Not a major development. An utter damp fucking oh, wait, squib. Hang, can, I, can I just throw something in on, on the soup yeah, thing? Yeah, go for it. Thing? Go for it. Uh, the, my favorite thing about this is that they have reported Hussein to the police because, like, there is always, like, a bright red alt-right weirdo at least once a week complaining that, like, the police gave him a speeding ticket when he was doing, like, 100 miles an hour in his Audi S3 because his, like, irritable bowel syndrome was playing up and he needed to get to the toilet. Um, and he's saying, like, oh, don't the police have better things to do? And then immediately he starts reporting people to the police for charging people for soup when they ordered a coffee. <laughs> All of these people are so, like, incredibly they, regular. These people are just, they're utter, they're complete psychopaths who are sort of shaking with rage at every other person in their life because everybody they know hates them except their friends who are the also kind of shaking people with rage. who would own an Audi S3. And they all <laughs> go <laughs> transit sport. Who's all, buying those? They all go meet one another in the pub, like, I don't know, in like Luton or whatever, and then just, you know, get super drunk and convince themselves that everything was better before the Browns showed up. I mean, except for curry. They I, all like curry. I was convinced for a long time that these guys, like, they had limits, right? Like, I sort of knew that they were a bit dumb, but I, like, that tweet is so fucking stupid that, like, I wouldn't have expected anyone to bite it, right? And the fact that like there are people who are still like sincerely DMing me right now asking where I work and why I overcharge white people for their like liquid beverages. Well, like, uh, they're not doing white identity politics. They're doing really, really stupid guy identity politics. Yeah. yeah. That's what they're doing. Wait, I know what like- it is. Brain Force Plus is like the limitless pill, but it makes you dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Limited. 
Um, Limitless <laughs> stupidity. And you know, it's 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 been it's all been like very fun, and I mean, it's still like going on, and I'm just finding it absolutely bizarre. But it kind of like does indicate where like. I don't know. It, I kind of want to get on Tommy Robinson off of this, to be honest. Yeah. Because it's kind of the same thing. It, it, it fe- you know, Josh, you don't know who Tommy Robinson is. It feeds into the same milieu. He's he's our short king. Mm. He's our, All I he's know about small Tommy king. Robinson is he's an adult, presumably, who still goes by Tommy. <laughs> yeah, he's the baby from Rugrats. <laughs> he's the baby what, from Rugrats. What you do is, is you, get about, you get about 50 mil of Tommy Robinson, and then you fill the rest of the glass up with water, and you get a pretty tasty drink. <laughs> Yo, so basically, Tommy Robinson, real name, a surprisingly racist one, real name, Stephen Yaxley Lennon is a, a sort of football Ew. hooligan, no relation, like racist campaigner. And he's now the face of the desire for a British ethno state, more or less. Um, oh, OK, tight. Yeah. So, and what on. a is terrible face for an ethno state. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, is it full of crags? <laughs> it's, it's basically a potato based <laughs> ethno state. And so what if, he if did, anyone's visage does not embody the superiority of the white race, it's definitely Tommy Robinson's. Oh yeah, that man has no chin or nose. Small king. No, he does now. He does now because oh, he got plastic surgery no, in no, prison. No, no. no, so basically, like because he was because like he didn't want to eat the food that the Muslim cooks were making. He basically like didn't eat at all. Oh yeah. So I'll, so, I'll finish explaining the story yeah. just so we don't jump ahead. He basically <laughs> kept on invading courtrooms to try and fearlessly report on how the SJW Muslim uh, judges were going to let off Muslim criminals because they feel white guilt, but that's illegal. And so he kept on getting charged with contempt of court for breaking into courtrooms and then got, among us. got sent to jail because he broke a bunch of laws. Um, and then there was this huge outcry that he was basically being sent to jail for being too intelligent and speaking truth to power. It's like, you know, fathers like think they get discriminated against by family court for being, you know, too honest and a good dad. Um, he's the Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire of like petty crime. Um, so, all of these like right wing figures, they're all the answer yeah. to a particular question. It's just a very weird question. For example, so, uh, Tommy Robinson is the answer to the question, what if fathers for justice, but Nazi? So Tommy, basically what Tommy is, and there was this huge campaign to release him from jail because they were like, oh, he's been an anti-Muslim campaigner, quite rightly, they said for his whole life. So he's going to get murdered in Britain's Islamic hell jails, even though he's been campaigning for his entire life. The prisons are, quote, like holiday camps. Well, holiday camps for Muslim. Is, They're Hajj camps. <laughs> prisons are like Hajj. The most important thing for Tommy, like, we got to get him out of jail so he can get more gel in his hair. He can't, they don't let him have hair gel in there. No, it's true. He had to be, he had to have a flat style. That's not hype beast. No, you and, and everyone knows that Sharia is all about having fucking bomb ass style <laughs> and being fucking dipped and ready yeah. for the gram. And we all know that Tommy is using his time in prison to do the uh, the Charlie Bronson fitness program and get really jacked so that he can come out and arm wrestle Abu Bakr al Baghdadi to decide whether the Muslims can stay <laughs> so in prison. Are you worried that your your business is being crowded out by Muslim competition? Get swole. Welcome to welcome to my startup. Gonna play a game of soggy biscuit with Abu Bakr al Baghdadi. So he's now been he's been released, and like the entirety of the British right is saying this is a victory for freedom of speech because you know Tommy Robinson being allowed to do slurs at a corner shop owner is freedom of speech. Yeah, Um, and that kind of that reflects online, like just in the sense of I don't know because like. It's it's just become so stupid, and I think it's just become so openly stupid as well. So, like the idea that you know there is a very legitimate reason why he was in prison, 
i.e. he breached like his bail conditions that took place not in a Sharia court, but in a English like common law court, right? Things that like you would genuinely accept everyone to accept, i.e. you broke the law, you get punished for it. But it became this huge freedom of speech. It became this huge issue that was masqueraded as freedom of speech. But it also kind of gives permission for like stupidity to kind of just go around lawlessly. And, you know, the Sarah Jung stuff was like a really good example of that, i.e. like basically having no nuance in terms of discussions about race. But at the same time, like these are people who like have built their careers on the idea of like, you know, the great, like, you know, when you have guys like Stefan Molyneux, who's like built a career on like the concept of like the great replacement, talking about how like he, you know, you shouldn't make jokes about any race because every individual like, you know, stands on their own merit. Like it's bullshit, right? And it goes for this one as well, which is like, you know, when you put the dumbest possible tweet, dumbest possible joke out there, people will get outraged and it's just so stupid, but like, it's just kind of part of where we are at this current moment in time. I have a question about Tommy Robinson real quick. So if I am correct, He's this guy basically six. Kool-Aid manned his way into courtrooms to just yell about Charlie Hebdo. And <laughs> everyone's like, you're the best. That's basically correct. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah. And like, so like that's that to me says it all right about the right is that it's not a free speech issue. It's a let me talk whenever I want to issue. Yeah, absolutely. That's precisely it. Let me talk to the manager. I want to talk to the manager right now. Yeah, that's true. Like Tommy Robinson wants to talk to the United Kingdom's manager because he and that's the thing It's it's I mean, we talk about right, like how people need to blame their bosses. Right. But people when people don't realize that is they know they're mad, like they know that their life isn't going well. Right. And they know kind of that that things kind of suck for them. And they know they're mad, but then they turn on most of the media and most of the BBC or whatever. And even like a lot of like sort of liberal identity politics people are telling them, don't be mad. Nothing's wrong. Everything's great. Society's never been better. uh, And you should be so lucky to be living now in our wonderful society. But that's not true to them. But what and even if it's a lie, the shit that Tommy Robinson peddles, which is, you know, not worth repeating here. Even though it's wrong, it feels true to them because it emotionally resonates. Because he's saying, no, there is a malefactor. There is someone making your life bad. It's just he's saying that, you know, it's, it's the guy who moved in down the street, not the guy who's cutting your hours to 20 a week and, you know, making you go and it's the guy who's charging you for soup when you ordered a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right? Solve like, that problem. White nationalism is over. We just need to deport Hussein. When when I got into shit with the fucking Proud Boys, like oh, yeah, you want to like talk about that for a bit? Thing. Like these. Uh, so for those that don't know, I uh, I have a no Nazis are allowed to have fun in Los Angeles policy. It's call Sick. me crazy. Sick. Um, so <laughs> I I just like you know I found out that these guys were coming around and hanging out in this bar and intimidating and harassing people and I got some friends together to be like hey don't do that and then they shoved my girlfriend Madison uh and a fight broke out uh and in the middle of the fight I may or may not have snatched one of their MAGA hats and thrown it into the street I can't remember who could Uh, who could remember a thing like that um, yeah, allegedly, I maybe Allegedly, did you uh, filled it with coffee. You disrespected the flag, Androsky, and that's the death I penalty. Did, I disrespected a future U.S. Army soldier. So 
like the 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 thing about these proud boys right is they're they're effectively just sad idiots like the the thing is that exactly like you were saying liberalism has completely failed to provide an answer for why all of our lives are worse and you know you have some fucking you know greased up scumbag with gel in his hair going hey it you know look around you what has changed and the first thing you see is like oh well there's people that don't look like me that have big beards and you're like okay it's them it's them it's their fault or you're talking about little uh, carmine have jobs now (laughs) (laughs) i get that like that's what it is it's like like if you're an idiot the easiest thing to see that's different is like oh hey women are allowed to talk now without getting hit in the face and you're like well maybe that's the problem and instead of like going like well actually it's because uh, the people that are in charge of all of the things that happen don't want you to have stuff, and it's only collective action that will change that. It's a lot easier to get a red hat and be a dick in a bar. That's true, and it's it's a lot easier to like when Tommy Robinson says something. Like, it, when Tommy when Tommy Robinson says something like, "I remember when England like used to be great. We used to be like take care of each other, spirit of the Blitz, or whatever." <laughs> you know, even though he's like. 35 year old dipshit (laughs) with like expensive dental work, but he's genuinely working class. Um, You know, everyone's like, oh yeah, of course that's obvious because no one's giving him a fucking counter narrative. If anything, the BBC then explains the Tommy Robinson phenomenon by having Raheem Kassam come on unchallenged. Your cousin Hussein. Ah, yes. My, my, my estranged. I was just remembering the times when we used to play stickball together (laughs) in the, in the, in the nude because we were both circumcised by the same man. Absolutely. Right. So it's, so, and, and the the thing is like the liberal, the liberals don't know how to fight how they don't know how to fight fascism because they're not able to name a malefactor because every liberal party under the sun thinks its goal is to have a hundred percent of the electorate vote for it. So- yeah. It, it makes sense. Like, like I, I know they've talked about this on Chapo and, and, and other places, the idea that like, it doesn't make sense that the democratic party is a political party when uh, you think like, Oh, well the goal of a political party is to take political power. Uh, but the, uh, it makes sense if you think of the Democratic Party as CBS, America's most watched network, which is run by a bunch of sexually assaulting creep, lunatic scumbags. And all they care about is getting the fewest people is making to hate the best pizza they can. <laughs> yeah, getting the fewest people to hate them and making sure that uh, as many people are allowed on uh, private airplanes to eat pizza. Of course, Pete, delicious mushroom pizza. OMG, Papa John to join Comet Pizza. I think we we talked about we talked about a little race, and now, uh, from the listener's perspective, anyway, we're going to get into a little bit about how we can transform things for the better, and the kinds of things we can do, maybe, to make people not turn to charlatans like Tommy Robinson and Paul Joseph Watson, and maybe make it so that Hussein won't get written up in the fucking independent next time he makes a goddamn joke on Twitter. Yeah, because it's just not good, guys. Like, Come on, guys. He doesn't deserve this level of coverage. If you're going to, like, at least, like, you know, put some of my better, better things in. You have so many better tweets. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, Josh, we're going to transition to the next half. Uh, Milo, uh, I hear you're going to be doing a, a sign language for the next half and won't be joining us. I must go now. My planet needs me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Milo died on his way back to um, his home planet. See you next in, week, in, y'all. In, 
Enjoy our talk about public banks, everyone. And uh, we will see you, I don't know, later this week, next week. Um, me and Milo are going to be at the Fringe. We're going to be talking to a bunch of comedians. Hussein's going to go dark for a little while while he works on his book. Unless he's been fired for the coffee thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still waiting to find out, but I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that like, the publisher will get rid of my book, in which case you will not be able to read my memoir from the time I worked at my first ever restaurant, um, Comet Pizza. <laughs> All right. See you in a minute, everybody. We are, we are here. We are still here. Me and Hussein, Milo stuck in traffic somewhere outside Edinburgh with Josh Androsky, like from before, organizer with DSALA and LA Public Bank, public banking, public bank, public, public bank banking, LA. public bank LA. There we go. That's the correct answer. Yeah. I knew I'd get it eventually. What kind of perks do you get with the public bank? Like, do you get like a coffee cup? A soup spoon. A soup spoon. <laughs> a headband. You get, a, you get a sweet tote bag. That has a picture of uh, Lloyd Blankfein, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, crying. It's pretty tight. Dope. Oh, nice. You know, I heard that every every single time uh, that you lie uh, to the TV licensing board, take TV and don't pay for it in Britain, Lloyd Blankfein actually does cry a little bit. <laughs> that's it's a joke good. for the British audience. It's, it's um, good that he cries because that's the only way that his head gets any moisture. I don't know if you've noticed, but he has a very sandy head. Yeah, desertification is a real problem, specifically for Lloyd Blankfein's scalp. There was a Love Island trope about, um, about sand dick. What? It's this thing called sand penis, right? And it's the idea that like some guy's penises taste like sand. And I was just okay. thinking about if it's related to the idea of having sandy... A, a, a sandy scalp and I mean crying is it related moisture. to the idea of Sandy Hook liberals uh, are you covering it up <laughs> this is this is this is what QAnon this actually is, is. Like this, is this is this is where QAnon like ultimately leads to right <laughs> it ultimately leads to a conspiracy theory about whether Sandy Hook is linked to Sandy Penis. My dick is a crisis actor and that it always seems to show up when something horrible happens. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, guys, this is supposed to be the smart segment. Shall we do the smart thing? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yo, so, okay, Josh, we talked about, we talked briefly about like that you're involved with uh, LA Public Bank. Can you start by explaining like what is a public bank and then we're going to get into later why it's better? Sure. Yeah, a public bank is essentially just... Um, a public institution that holds public money. So that's just tax dollars, fees, stuff that, um, in the case of public bank Los Angeles, the municipality of Los Angeles has. So it's just for taxes, fees, public money that's owned by the entire city. Okay, so it's basically a bank account. Yeah, essentially, I mean, a bank yeah. does two things, right? It yeah. accepts deposits and it makes loans. And so mm. this would do the same thing. Okay. Um, now, hang on a second. Uh, don't businesses need to compete with one another to offer the best possible service, Josh? Yes. If we lived in a fake fantasy world where uh, <laughs> the profit margin and intense exponential growth wasn't the only thing driving these Skyborg scumbags. So tell us a little bit about like 
what's the current situation in terms of LA's finances? Because really, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the delivery of a public service that people experience. We're talking about like the fundamental, if you like, plumbing that goes into supplying those public services with resources. Exactly. So like when a city collects taxes before it spends those tax dollars on, you know, uh, street cleaning or firefighters, uh, that money sits oh, in yeah, a bank. Oh, yeah, all that stuff that socialism is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy Behar. Uh, so <laughs> um, like that money is sitting in a bank and it doesn't just sit in a bank. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't just like sit in a vault where Scrooge McDuck goes and swims inside of it. It is being used by Wall Street banks to invest and profit off of um, just the worst possible things that destroy our planet. So everything from pipelines to the very cages that um, separate immigrant families to weapons and all that shit. Yeah, how, how, can you explain how that happens? Sure. Um, uh, our money goes into a bank and that fills up the bank's coffers. Then banks get to basically invent money. Uh, by uh -huh. like loaning it out. God, they're so smart. <laughs> yeah, the, this money is like spoken for. Like the city is going to spend it on shit. But in the meantime, when it's in the system of Wall Street, then Wall Street's like, hey, we got another $3 billion or $6 billion or whatever. And so they immediately invest it into the worst possible things. So all of our tax dollars are against our wishes and unbeknownst to us being used to make 12 wrinkled sociopaths exponential wealth. Yeah, but Josh, I think you're forgetting the Juicero. How would we get the Juicero if not for this? This is true. If this ended, we would lose every hilarious app and uh, tech company. So unfortunately, like if we did move to public banking, then there, there wouldn't be a bunch of Silicon Valley blank-eyed reptilians who accidentally come up with a bus. That would not happen anymore. <laughs> I mean, what makes you think that Elon Musk won't make his own his own bank? He's working on it right bank. now. Oh, really? Is he? Yeah, he, yeah, he's working on his own bank right now. It's um, it's a bank that is inside of a, a one of those of a, of a, of a cave in Thailand, like a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Please, it's it, you don't make a deposit. You make a wubba lubba dub dub deposit. <laughs> yeah, a wubba lubba dub deposit, and you you can spend epic bucks. It'll be like it'll it'll be like um you know you'll you'll deposit like a certain amount of money in, and then he'll give you like a free flamethrower. Absolutely. Um, and, you know if you get like a particular account, and then if you like deposit all your money in, he'll give you a free one way trip up to space, no questions asked. I, I've always said like there are tons of people who would spend their entire life savings to be Elon Musk's like first experimental learning cadaver so he could learn how to give humankind an extra appendix. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So one thing I, I also kind of want to think of is like, we've got this system where there is like a wall street bank that handles all of LA's money, takes an enormous amount off the top of it because why not? Because they need like German dick sucking machines. Right. Oh yeah. So can yeah, you tell so us a little more? Thing. I don't know if we, yeah. we specifically talked about it, but um, like for the privilege of being able to profit off of the billions of dollars that we put in their banks, um, Wall Street doesn't like give us any money back or any of the profits that they make. They in fact charge us in fees and interest over $3 billion a year for this. Program. How much is that per... I'm, I'm interested to know. I'm not that fast at math. Do you know offhand how much that is per 
Angel, Angel, Angelus, Angelino, Angel, Angelino. Ned Flanders. How much baby. that? Is, how much? How much is that per perfect angel? Uh, per perfect angel, it's roughly like seventy five hundred bucks. So like Fuck we me. we <laughs> owe seventy five hundred bucks per person. Tight. And that's for the privilege of making the money. Yeah, that that's for the privilege of of just letting them uh, get another hovercraft that they use to crush a sex slave. I mean, you know what? Like, the alternative is Venezuela, guys. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's I mean, Venezuela. They have? Yeah, they have all sex slaves, no hovercrafts, and as we know, hovercrafts <laughs> the natural predator of sex slaves. The population's going crazy. <laughs> So, okay. Okay. So this, we have this situation. Um, and earlier when we were talking, you were saying, actually the, the model you're looking at is modeled on my favorite country in the entire goddamn world, Iran. Germany. It, no, it, Iran. It vassal, you know, ideologically, I love the 1979 revolution, but on a day-to-day basis, I'm all Bergheim, baby. <laughs> yeah. So Germany, it turns out, uh, isn't just full of leather pants wearing uh, techno freaks. Um, they it will be one day. <laughs> they also uh, are pretty good at um, public finance. They've had uh, the Spockhausa, uh, which Spockhausa, Spockhausa, uh, which is uh, a, a, a network of municipal public banks since I want to say like the late nineteenth century, and. Um, it, it's a federation of municipal banks, and this federation uh, is responsible for 75% of the funding for making Germany go renewable. So this is okay. This is basically like it, it illustrates that public ownership of finance is the only way to allow for spending on things that you cannot profit insanely off of, like public housing or climate infrastructure you know shit that like no developer is going to touch because it doesn't make them 40 million dollars that they could spend on hovercrafts well this is i mean i think this would be like incredibly applicable to the uk as well right like if you think about it like a bank any bank in the uk is more than willing to help some zillionaire finance their purchase of a townhouse in mayfair yeah that they've bought from some other zillionaire that no one's occupied for 20 years zillionaires and zillionaires the zillionaires and zillionaires are buying all of the townhouses in mayfair <laughs> and now only all of the uh, uh sex workers that follow riley on instagram uh, can talk about how they are clip-clopping down the street doing hooker business <laughs> Yeah, one of one of one of my friends uh, did post that she was clip clopping down the street in Mayfair doing hooker business, and I've been unable to stop thinking of the words hooker business for weeks now. Um, but yes, but, it, right? Like it's that's the thing, right? Like it's it's private speculation fuels private wealth. Yeah, which means that like if we had public financing of say like I don't know house purchasing, since that's what everyone in the UK fucking cares about. Yeah, like we wouldn't have this insane, ridiculous property bubble where all of a sudden every sort of, you know, insane ballroom in Mayfair is just a place to park money that you stole from like the oil reserves in the yeah, Niger I Delta. I mean, you've got a banking system, which is like leveraged off of like huge amounts of private money, like lots of shadow money as well. Stuff that's like coming, you know, I think, I, I sort of think that the prop, like prop, like London property market, but I guess for UK property market more generally is like a very different kind of beast. It's like, it's like a complete example of like what happens when you really, kind of cave into 
like these speculative financial systems, right? Because that's really what the whole, that's really what like property and land ownership in this country um, has been about, right? Um, yeah. You know, but it's also like, you know, it has its historic roots in like feudalism. It has, you know, you can kind of trace examples back to medieval periods. Well, it's where- like, it's like there's one guy that owns most of central London and he's our age. Uh, sounds pretty is- cool. Yeah. He sounds like a cool dude. He owns, most, on the show. He owns most of the free. He's the, uh, I think he's the new Duke of Gloucester. Oh shit. Yeah. 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 So he inherits- he's actually, he's a friend of a friend. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Of course he is. So he's like, he's like a fail son, right? In the sense that like he basically inherited all his wealth after his father passed away and he didn't really, he hadn't really done anything before then. So like his father passed away suddenly and then all of a sudden he's just like this really rich dude, which in the DC universe would mean that you would become, you know, you would become a caped crusader. You know what it is? He's like Batman, but for fucking models in club toilets. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I don't think in London, in London, Batman wouldn't work because everyone would just tell you to fuck off and then you'd be like mugged by some drill rappers. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Oh, sorry, Tony Blair. Um, and if you did go, and if you did go, if you did go save, if you did go save someone, they would, they would probably mug you, uh, you know, and then you would end up where all superheroes do end up in London, which is in the corner of Inferno's in Clapham crying. <laughs> Yo, but this is, this actually like, this leads like, like the thing is, and I think there's a fundamental thing here, right? Which is that in the world in which we live, finance is the enabler. You know, until we create communism, finance will be the enabler, even in a democratic socialist right. system. Right. And when private finance is lending to private individuals for private means, then they're going to be more at, then there is all of the incentives are aligned as such to make sure that the, this fucking, you know, Duke of Gloucester, born as he was, soldered into white tie, can own more and more of central London until basically the UK is his private party island and, you know, we have Lolita Expresses flying in and out, uh, presumably. So if I had a private plane, I would call it Lolita. Yeah, one, one thing, right? So um, in California right now, it's gotten so bad that um, for every infrastructure dollar we spend, half of that pays back interest. So 50 cents of every dollar we spend on infrastructure goes directly into a banker's pocket. And a public bank would be able to create a system where uh, we just set the interest ourselves based on like how, you know the lowest possible interest like and and that's something that that can absolutely be uh, spread to housing you know um, a public bank could buy up housing stock and drive absolutely. down prices by setting like the prices as low as as possible while still making a modest return. Well, because to a public bank, housing's not an, in, an an investment; it's a public good. Exactly. It's there. There's a fundamental mismatch between the provision of public goods and private financing. Yeah, and so the, like a public bank would, it, it, in its essence, like in its charter, this is the biggest difference, right? Is um, private finance is all about um, that beholden to the shareholders, right? And so we hmm. make the citizens shareholders. So thereby yeah. the public good is written into the charter and like community betterment is the number one priority. So thereby- I mean, in, a, in, a, in a sense, in a sense, I mean, like, because I, I, I frequently sort of run into this issue, especially at holidays with family, 
trying to explain what socialism is, but that's more or less it. Right. We're trying to create a system in which the public are shareholders. Yeah. Yeah. It's public ownership of the means of production, you know? Or in this case, and, and this is also something I talk, I've talked about before. Like if you're working at Facebook or Google or whatever, what are the means of production that you would seize were you to seize them? You know, you snack rooms, <laughs> climbing walls, scooters. But right, like <laughs> in the sense, in a late capitalist economy, the means of production is finance. Yes, absolutely. And the thing, and here's the other interesting thing you're not even voting to create a public bank. The ballot initiative that you're spearheading is something entirely different. Yeah, so, so what we're doing is, um, uh, we're, we're taking it very uh, pragmatically. Uh, we're being uh, pragmatic uh, progressives who can get things done. Um, and and we, this, this first ballot initiative would simply lay the groundwork. It would make it legal to create a public bank. So we're using it to educate people about public finance. So it's, it's currently illegal to make a public bank. Yes, it's it's not like you would be arrested. It's just not in the city charter. Although, here's something great if you want to talk about fucking housing. Uh-huh. It is a Ill- It's not like being white. It's like owning a public bank. It's not like it's illegal to be white. Yeah, exactly. No, no. So it's literally illegal to impose rent control on um like any new building in California. That is on, on hardworking landlords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like landlords are so tight and uh, we love them so much. And mm, to all landlords. Uh, one out from the landlords. <laughs> like, th- so there's two things that are happening in California right now that are really important. Um, and especially for like a weird ass midterm election. Um, and it's the public bank initiative in Los Angeles and then the Prop 10 in California, which would repeal the law that makes it illegal for rent control. And these two things uh, totally intersect because, yeah. you know, it's like, where's the money going to come from? Well, uh, how about reappropriating the billions of dollars we give to Wall Street for no reason? That's the other major thing about public banking that I think is why at least I have devoted all of my organizing energy to it is because it's the only coherent left policy, nationalized finance with a clear hated enemy, Wall Street, that gives us more money for our other programs without raising taxes. So that's why I think it's like the most important issue uh, kind of as far as like building movement power goes. We need to attack money. But the thing is, uh, I, I'm, I pulled up an article here. Uh, the Libs have another idea entirely. Ooh, tell um, me. The Libs. Do you remember a, a little a little guy called Tim Geithner, a certain Treasury Secretary under a certain President, certain Barack Hussein? The Hussein's important. People forget that Obama. Uh, let me tell you right now, uh, Tim Geithner. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, getting tightener in Geithner. <laughs> I, ha- I have an alternative idea for What's a public bank, and that would be a Sharia bank. <laughs> okay, we'll go. Um, we'll go into Geithner after this. What's your Sharia Bank idea? So I haven't really thought too much about the Sharia Bank. Other oh, than, like all of your ideas, other, other, than, other than that, that it would be like a hype beast Sharia Bank. <laughs> so, 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 like you know, you would have certain rules. Like for example, no interest. Uh-huh. No interest on loans. That's a good okay. thing. Also, we wouldn't give out loans to women generally. Okay. Um, well, they can't be hype beasts unless they are hype beasts. Unless they <laughs> wear like supreme trainers uh-huh. um we'd only give out money if you were going to make good investments for example if you were going to go buy a needlessly luxurious sports car 
to drive around <laughs> drive around the city center um, while uh-huh. you smoke hookah in the back. Yeah, that's how you meet girls. Is that's you, how you lean out the window of your new luxurious in, sports car. In a halal yeah. fashion. So um, Audi is an Audi's bro. And <laughs> you know, some people say some people <laughs> some people say like Sharia is like barbaric and I would want to like dispel those myths. So instead of cutting your hand off if you miss a repayment on your mortgage, they you would just, your trainers. We would we would we would yeah, for fuck's sake. Um, we would just remove one piece of streetwear from <laughs> your collection. Um, we don't accept ASICs because apparently ASICs are not streetwear. Yo, are, you, um, are you suggesting a Sharia compliant bank specifically for East London? Yes. Yes. Uh, so we're going to be opening at Bethnal Green. Uh, <laughs> let's put, opening let's it. put we're the dropping... sharing back in Sharia. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're dropping our first collection of loans. <laughs> Um, like you got a key around the block for the boat for the box logo loans box loan goes no I want to talk about Tim Geithner arch lib um, no this is something that many some of our listeners might have heard about before but I feel like it's important to bring up again because it's a reminder that basically liberals can't be trusted to bring this about so this is an article in splinter by Libby Watson uh, which is about sort of Tim Geithner's post Obama administration lib owning the lips yes lib is owning, Libby is owning the libs um, it was about Tim Geithner's sort of post-Obama administration life, where he is actually uh, a part owner of a company called Mariner Finance, which basically he's president of a private equity firm that owns and controls it. Um, and what it does is it also lends money, actually, oh. which is great, to the poor. It lends money hey. to the poor. What it does is it mails checks for like a couple thousand dollars to the absolutely desperate and destitute, hoping that they'll cash them without reading the fine print. And then they have to pay sky high interest rates of like some hundreds of percent. Um, And then they're chased by lawyers and liens are put on their house. Thanks, Tim. So it's a payday loan company. Yeah, it's a payday loan company, but that doesn't mean it. It cuts out the middleman of you don't have to seek out the payday loan company. The payday loan company seeks you out. Dope. <laughs> Don't. Smart. So, so, you, so you know, you know America, what would, payday loan you know what would finds stop, you. But, but, but you know what would stop this, right? What? A Sharia bank. A Sharia bank, yeah. Because a the hype beast Sharia bank. Hype beast Sharia bank. They'd be like, yo, this loan fucking corny. This check doesn't even have a palace triferg. <laughs> you know what else would stop that? A public bank. No, I was going to say the Unabomber, but that's a good answer too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it would, right? But this is just the thing, which the is Unabomber, this is legal I, in the states. I, I just want to make a, a quick point: the Unabomber yeah. Ted Kaczynski yes. is the only good thing that's ever come out of Harvard. You may continue. <laughs> John Rawls came out of Harvard. He's pretty cool. Not as cool as the Unabomber. Rawls a cool guy. Does he fuck? As did the Unabomber. Yo, Rawls fucked apparently. Um, yo, so that's but right. That's just it. That it's when you have private finance, the incentives are in place to wring money out of the poor just because finance has power over them. Yeah, so like a, a thing that a public bank would do that, that would stop this, and, and, and in the future, this is a, a, a huge part of it, is, is fighting payday lending because uh, a public bank would be able to serve the unbanked and underbanked folks that are being targeted by these insane schemes. And because it's about community betterment and not about exponential profit growth, they would be able to create things that libs actually like that I personally don't give a fuck about, like small business loans. You know what I mean? Like 
but there it would also be able to do shit that's like legit important which is bringing credit access to people like people of color uh oppressed minorities poor people and the like that have been fucked over by this and thereby actually creating equality because without credit access people aren't able to purchase houses or you know cars or even hovercraft well yeah it's because like there's this there's this concept i'll I'll sort of bring up which is uh consumption smoothing which is basically like the reason consumption smoothing i love consumption smoothies Um, that's when you get a tuberculosis (laughs) smoothie (laughs) where basically what happens is businesses will only be able to stay open for periods of time. It's a concept in economics. Um, if they can predict demand. But because of the sort of boom-bust cycle and employment and unemployment, consumption is elastic. It goes up and down, which in some businesses, just because they have running costs, won't be able to survive busts. That's not really good for anybody. And that's just a fundamental like, contradiction of capitalism. And one of the ways in which capitalist systems sort of stay afloat is through consumption smoothing, which is to make sure that in the bust, people have enough money to keep buying. Um, and so how that used to happen um, under like the New Deal with Roosevelt and stuff was that there was just a fairly generous sort of unemployment insurance scheme that sort of got phased out. And we replaced it with what um, Wolfgang Streck in this book, uh, How Will Capitalism End?, which I heartily recommend to everybody, uh, calls private Keynesianism, where those things were removed, but cheap access to credit was given out, which means that instead of just consumption smoothing being sort of taken on as a public service, it was repurposed as a private good and created an incredible amount of rich people, but sort of just kicked the can down the road for the contradiction. And so really what we're doing is we're saying we're going to understand that we need consumption smoothing, but we're going to bring it back as a public good. This has been your Riley Economics Corner. I have an idea for another bank. Yeah. It's called Phase Banks. <laughs> Is it a gaming bank? It's a gaming bank with the phases. <laughs> it's a it's a bank that will double headshot you. <laughs> um, uh. And yeah, you have to like you know to to get money, you have to like compete. You have to like play levels. You have to build. You have yeah. to you, ha- you have to like Tifu. You have to like build double. You have to do a little luxury for yourself and build double ramps. You yeah, gotta, like steal. steal fucking does it? Steal your roommate's girl. It's called Chinese just steal your girl. mine. <laughs> Josh, do you want us to highlight some way that people can contribute or pitch in or help? Yeah, um, I mean, we're we're not fundraising quite yet. We're going to start fundraising efforts. But if folks want to follow Public Bank LA on Twitter, go to publicbankla.org. Or you can absolutely give money to DSALA because DSALA is taking you know, uh, a leadership step in this. And we could always use your money in order to make uh, the second largest city in America equitable. Sick. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for us here at Trash Future with you, our lovely listeners, with Milo having formerly uh, been in this episode in a way we're about to record. Um, And uh, yeah, Josh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a real pleasure. Hell yeah. Uh, I hate anime and I hate video games. Thanks for having me. I can't. Anime is good, man. It's good. It's an art form and it's a beautiful, pure art form. I hope one day you find some beauty in it. <laughs> More like beautiful, Yo, pure right. art form. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> good, night, good night, everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Nate, the long-suffering producer, with a quick message for you. 
If you're going to be in Edinburgh during the Fringe Festival, you'll have an opportunity to watch Milo perform with two other Russian comedians, in English, of course. Their names are Anton Borisov and Ivan Yavitz. They're going to be performing at La Vida, which is on Queens Ferry Street Lane, basement room number one, every night between August 4th and 26th at 1815. So come hang out and see Milo perform with his friends. You might also potentially run into Riley, who will be there. He'll be sweaty, but it's a great chance to support some trash future comedy and to have a great time. Hope you enjoy.